The following message is brought to you by Balsamic. Balsamic have decided to support the SAS District community by donating their sponsored airtime to some of our listeners. This episode is sponsored by Auditly, a digital platform for conducting audits and inspections and automating checklist-based process workflows. By using Auditly, you'll save man hours by digitizing the processes, compliance, audits, and inspections. You can then collaborate and share instant reports with the corrective action plan, while also digitizing repairs and maintenance. If you'd like to bring automation to inspection workflows, visit www.oditly.com. If you'd like to receive a promo code for a 90-day free trial of Balsamic, or even just thank the folks at Balsamic for supporting our community, visit balsamic.com slash go slash SAS district today. Hello, hello, everyone. This is your host, Akil Jabbar, and welcome back to another episode of SAS District. In today's episode, we actually have a special episode as part of our series, which we call Inside Balsamic, which is a, a SaaS company we partnered with to run a different podcast interviews with their entire team to understand how different departments work. And on today's episode, we'll be talking about how to run better sales, tech support, and documentation for your SaaS. And t- on today's episode, we have our guests, Brandon Sarex and Lizalo Green from Balsamic. Uh, Brandon was has worked in customer-facing roles for his entire professional career. As a founding member of Balsamic's tech support team and the support team co-lead, Brandon helped, helped shape the policy and philosophy of Balsamic support communications. Uh, quick note, he also thinks he is funny, despite evidence to the contrary. So we'll, we'll find out today how funny you are. Uh, and then Liz Green has had a passion for software and tech since she was very young. While her studies were in marketing and advertising, she discovered her true calling was for support, uh, software support 10 years ago. She joined Balsamic in 2016 to help lead the support and Olios team. And staying close to the customers and their journey brings her joy, but she's also comfortable wearing different hats. So welcome, Brandon, Liz. Super excited to have you on the SaaS District Show today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome, guys. So I guess the first question will go with you, Liz. Let's go on the, on the sales size. How does balsamic sales process look like? What does it look like right now? And how do you track that and translate that back to performance, overall performance of the company? Sure. So I think some of the listeners might be shocked that we are we don't have very heavy, you know, sales oriented processes. A lot of our uh, business really has been, you know, word of mouth. Um, we don't do sales the traditional way. So, you know, I'm here with Brendan because we co-lead uh, the support team. So it's really sales support. It's really answering any questions our customers have day to day. You know, we deal, we do deal with a lot of resellers, you know, software resellers that are purchasing on behalf of bigger companies. So a lot of that, it really is uh, focused on the customer as an end user. We don't have like this separate process, you know, for government entities. Um, we do get those questions a lot, of course, you know, but we've been, we've managed, you know, to, to keep things going this way for 12 years now. So Performance. I mean, we have, of course, we do track our financials. You know, our, we have CFO Natalie, which I think you'll be talking to her too. So we do keep track of that, but we don't have, um, we don't really, you know, keep our eyes on any other metrics in terms of in terms of sales. Um, so it sounds pretty simple, so to yeah. speak, you know. But uh, really, ultimately, we just want to do what's best for the customer. So every now and then, of course, we do have to come up with certain policies, but we try to shy away from having, you know, too much policy in our. In 
in our business, so to speak. Yeah, so it's a little bit different. I know we had, uh, you know, spoke to to, to Peldi on, the, on an interview a couple months ago. I think last year. Um, if you guys listening in can check out that interview, who's the founder of Balsamic, and he mentioned he's he's pretty happy with you know uh, very single digit growth, which is kind of different than a lot of you know SaaS companies who are pushing hard for you know, mm-hmm. quarter over quarter. You know, you have those high high pressure quotas you have to hit. Uh, I'm assuming you guys don't have anything like that. It's just about customer success, making sure they're happy, making sure they're they're taken care of. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. No quotas that I think <laughs> just the thought of that makes me shudder a little bit. But yes, it's all about just, you know, doing what's best for the customer. Wow. Love it. Okay. Uh, awesome. Let's move to you, Brendan. Uh, so business businesses, you know, often forget that they're talking to to humans as well, right? This is not, you know, it's easy to hide behind the software, hide behind the code and let it do all the work. But these are humans behind it actually interacting with it. What does finding the human mean to you? I mean, I think that's a term you guys use. And what's needed for an organization to turn the support efforts into more human interaction and more valuable support? Yeah, so finding the human is, um, it's its basically, it's our support philosophy. And, uh, you know, everyone has to have a, a cute name for for their their processes their processes and that's ours for uh, support and I think it's um it boils down to the fact that like uh, support is just it's a it's about connection it's about connecting with your customers it's about connecting with you know the issues they're having and it's about remembering that like outside of that email or outside of that phone call that person has an entire life that they participate in every day and there are factors in that life that could be influencing their communication with you, just like there are factors in your life that are in commu- that are uh, influencing your communication with them. And it's, it's really about recognizing that and helping the customer recognize that too. And, and, and that's, I, I think that's the difficult thing. Like if you go to a, if you go to any user research or user or customer service uh, conference, you're going to find someone who's got a, uh, a, a, a presentation. that's something like your customers are people too, because we constantly have to be reminded of that. Um, because more often than not, we are at the receiving end of, uh, frustrated or, you know, just upset people because people don't usually reach out to you when they're happy, right? They're reaching out to you because they have a problem. And so we constantly have to remind ourselves, this is a person, this is a person. And so we try, um, that's, it's kind of why we, why we, we try the, the human thing because human feels more real. It feels more like, uh, people is a descriptor for uh, a generic group of, of, of humans. And, but human, it feels like this person has endured something in life and, and, and something that helps us remind that like we are human, they are human. It's this common denominator. And so, yeah, our, our support is basically just is, is based around this idea that like our customers are humans and we are humans and we're just two humans who happen to meet, uh, you know, because of uh, some circumstance that we need to solve. And I don't know, just, you know, when you have human interactions with your customers, they're, it's much more vulnerable and real and it just feels better. I don't know how else to, how else to describe yeah. it. So yeah, that's, oh. that is the, that is the, the finding the human aspect of our support. And it's, it's kind of what we live by. Yeah, it sounds like just you know having that empathy um, for another person mm-hmm. rather than you know letting the screen be be that play. Just cu- kind of curiosity, how many you know support you know tickets, whether it's calls, emails, messages come in? Do you guys deal with it on a daily basis? Uh, it depends. So uh, tech support gets fewer, but but mm-hmm. they're usually longer tailed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we there's a lot more research involved in that. 
Whereas I, I don't, I don't want to speak too much for Liz, but I think sales is more transactional. But I, on the support side, we'll do anywhere from uh, probably ten to twenty a day, okay, per person, depending on <laughs> if something breaks, it's going to be higher. If something, if things are fine, mm. it's usually lower. It just mm. kind of depends on on the day. I don't want to know what it is for you, Liz. A little bit more. I mean, we do get uh, phone calls too. We do a little mm-hmm. bit more phone support than than tech support. Um, Alistair is another one of our tech supporters. We'll do a little bit of a screen sharing as well. But yeah, maybe a little bit more than tech support, but, but it's because we do deal with uh, software resellers. You know, we get a lot of like requests for quotes and estimates and that sort of thing. Mm. And then how much are you guys using? Like, you know, so you mentioned, you know, obviously using empathy is kind of having more listening, understanding. And before, you know, having a response, how much, you know, automation do you guys use in your whole process of you know, responding? Like you have like chatbots that just, you know, uh, nobody behind it is just like, you have to keep clicking until you try to speak to somebody. No, <laughs> you are always talking to a human being. Yes. One way or another, okay. you are always talking to a human being, whether it's over email or phone, or if you're in our Slack, you know, we have a community Slack where people will sometimes reach out for us that way too. You're always talking to one of us. Um, mm. We don't, we don't like the idea of chatbots that much, not mm. to say, but, but also uh, we are blessed uh, to not have that, uh, not to have enough volume to require that. So, like mm-hmm. that would be a discussion that we would have if if it was necessary. But we are lucky mm-hmm. enough to not have that. Mm. Yeah, no, that may, that makes sense. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, and then I guess the next question I have is uh, is a question around you know the team unify. How does the you know the balsamic team unify, and what are the main pillars or factors that that kind of maintain that connection for your team? Seems like you guys have a pretty strong uh, you know connection across everyone. You want to take that one, Liz? I'm sure I can start it. So yeah, when we talked about unifying was because, you know, we mentioned tech support and sales support. So when I joined, uh, we were different, we were separate teams. So even though we were doing support, uh, there was a pretty, uh, you know, I don't want to say it's a thick wall, you know, but there was kind of a wall in between the two teams. So we, you know, we had separate meetings, we did things separately. And with, as time went on, um, we, we used to have one meeting where and we call it the all support. So everyone that did support with would be in that meeting, but it was still pretty siloed, you know? So with time, it just kind of came natural that, oh, we are doing the same job. We're just kind of answering different questions. You know, we're using the same tools um, and we all want the what's best for the customer. So we should maybe, you know, so uh, become one single team. So with, with time, we did unify that. It just came, you know, to like the conclusion, yeah, we should really just be one team, you know? But it did mm. take a couple of years. Um, but um, we know you're, you're kind of asking about pillars or, or what's the basis of that. So one of the things that we have been pretty adamant about is just about being open, you know, communicating openly. So we basically wanted to create a space where we all felt safe and speak in our minds, you know, discussing it's so much easier now when there is one case, you know, like most of our, you know, our customers are fantastic, but maybe we'll come up with a, with a case where like, we hit a wall. We don't know what to do. It's so, so great to have like this support team that we can rely on just to kind of like talk it out and say, what, what am I doing wrong here? You know, can you help me out and stuff? And ultimately that also comes with trust in each other. It's kind of a part of our company values too, you know, so we just really trust each other. We know that we can rely on each other. And, um, uh, I, I did want to mention that one thing that we've been doing, and this was Brendan's idea, so maybe you should talk about it, but talk about the movie nights, Brendan, because it's really something that brings me joy too that we, we do. Oh, yeah, please yeah. Do. so we we uh, we do a movie night every month where uh, Liz picks a movie from the list that she's <laughs> written. Of, uh, it always seems to be Liz's movies. We don't, we don't know what happens. She picks them, <laughs> but I don't. 
uh, <laughs> and uh, we all get together and we uh, we stream it together and we uh, just hang out and you know chat about the movie while it's playing. Like we don't really do any work during that time. It's uh, it's a little harder for the folks in Europe because it's later at night. You know, it's like nine o'clock for them, but they're happy to come on and and hang out too. And so yeah, we just we do that once a month, and it's and it's really really been good for our teaminess because as Liz mentioned, like when I started, when Virginia and I started, and we were the basically the, the founding members of the tech support team. Um, we, we were two, we were two separate camps and, uh, we didn't touch anything sales support wise. They didn't touch anything tech support wise. We didn't really talk. It was like, it was kind of strange. And we always kind of thought it was strange, but didn't want to rock the boat because, you know, we, uh, we were new. And then Liz joined and we were all, were talking about it. And, and one of Peldy's, you know, one of, one of the great things about working for Peldy is that, uh, he was like, you know what? You guys know support. I don't. So do what you need to do to make this work. Like you guys are the experts. I go ahead, do what you need to do. And so we have freedom to do whatever we want. That was the <laughs> one of the first things we did was, was unify the teams. Cause it just, it made more sense because when you have six people with empathy and your empathy tank is empty, you can go to them and say, Hey, I need help with this. Cause I, I don't know where to go with it. And you know, you have all this backup. Whereas before we were all just, we were kind of on the islands and yeah. Maybe just to add on a question on that around, you know, having those difficult conversations. I mean, this could be for, for either of you, but I think that's something important, right? Something that sometimes you have something that's challenging or difficult to deal with on your own. And, um, you know, when you have that openness and, you know, that the, the feeling of community with your or family, within people you work with, um, do you have a, a favorite way or, you know, a, a style of how you guys approach those, those situations within the team? I think, I mean, if you don't mind, Brennan, I mean, I think we do best when we just uh, use our, so we, we do have a, a video call, right? Uh, every two weeks. And we mm -hmm. have our support channel where we're talking every day and, and stuff. We'll discuss things on the channel, but there's something about just being able to speak, you know, like brainstorm live and mm -hmm. just kind of talk about it, it, like hearing each other. Cause then, you know, that's the opportunity where we get like, oh, I didn't see it from that angle or I didn't really think about it that way. So I would lean to say that maybe our our meetings when we're like face to face are probably the the better way that we go about our difficult conversations. Yeah, and, and sometimes it's not difficult conversations, you know, with our within our team. It's our it's a difficult conversation that we have to have with another team, mm -hmm. and it's yeah. it's really like our those meetings really help us drill in on the pro because we're much more touchy feely in support, right? So like mm -hmm. it's kind of sometimes it's kind of hard to convey that to an engineer. I love our engineers; they're not touchy feely most of them. And so like, uh, it's sometimes you have to make that translation, right? You have to, you have to explain to them why this maybe not is the right, I move, right move. And when we can all meet up and talk about it, cause we all know this person, we all know, we have all hung out with them. Like we're all friends. Um, so we know what the best way to convey this information is. And we come together and, and, and do that. So that's, it's super helpful. I would mm. say that's our, that's our biggest asset is those meetings. Yeah. 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 I'm an, I'm an engineer myself. So, so thanks. Uh, and I wonder, I wonder if there's some kind of, some, some kind of, I told you I'm not funny. It is funny. It's in the thing. I wonder if there's like a personality test you guys have to take to, to fit into your role. Otherwise you just don't make the cuts. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. In fact, yeah. in fact, we, we don't want to, we don't want to exclude anyone because it's a, another voice is great. Any mm. voice is great because it's different than ours. And that's what we mm. love. Nice. I love it. Yeah. Even interacting with, you know, Amanda and Laura from your team. I mean, I felt the same thing. I felt that 
that uh, you know that connection, the care, and how much thought goes into every you know piece of communication. So I love that it, you know it translates across the whole company. Um, cool, and then, you know switching gears to understand the documentation and support side of, of Balsamic. I know you have some you know pretty cool support resources documentation that people should check out. But um, you know people are thinking about that. I'm a SaaS founder, and I, I want to you know set this up. Can you tell us about how your doc system works and has evolved over time, and how do you find that to be useful for for users? Uh, yeah, so docs are weird, right? Uh, they're 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 kind of this this also thing that that a lot of people see them as. When we start, when I started, um, docs very rarely shipped day day and date with a feature, and we used um, I don't know if uh, anyone remembers desk.com, but that was our uh, that was our email service or the email client that we used to to do tech support. They had a doc system built in, and we were using that. And then um, shortly thereafter. Uh, we decided to roll our own, and it was a it's a GitHub Markdown uh, system that uh, allows anyone to to make alterations to the docs, and uh, it's really helped us be fast. And I also think uh, with with support taking the main role in writing docs, we are the people that write the docs. It really helps us focus in on what we should be writing about. Where, how we should frame certain things because we're the ones talking to people. We know how they're we know how they're interpreting things, so we can reframe that for documentation and 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 help more people that way. And so, yeah, I think that like it is documentation is hard because it doesn't feel like it's one of those things where it's like, well, if I'm designing it right, if I'm designing this correctly, you shouldn't need a documentation. And it's like mm, it doesn't it doesn't really work like that. And uh, so yeah, documentation is hard. And, uh, but super important. It's super mm -hmm. important and it's super easy if you have your support team do it because they're dealing with that stuff on a daily basis. Wouldn't you say is, Liz, Liz does all the sales docs, so she can speak more that I don't think anyone touches sales docs except for Liz, right? Yeah. For, I mean, for, for, yeah, for a while now, but yeah, same thing when I joined, um, I think when I joined, we, that was kind of like in process because I remember that Brendan, uh, kind of gave me a quick, walkthrough on how to use, you know, GitHub. And I actually luckily had just done a course on web development. It was really basic though. But anyway, I was pretty comfortable with that. So it was really nice to just jump in to that. And I'm kind of like the type of person that gets, you know, I'm happy doing a couple different different things. So I get my, you know, my fix of like doing like very techie stuff when we write the docs, you know, because I got to use GitHub and use Adam to edit all the text and stuff. But yeah, so right now I'm doing sales. Um, If I need, you know, some of the other guys to kind of help me out. I'm, they, they do, but we have a really nice process where we just kind of like, if one of us works on something and then another one's available, they'll just do a, a proofread and make sure that everything is right. So we like that as well. But the only thing that I wanted to add there is like having support kind of have ownership of the documentation has been really great for us because we just have complete control. We can ship stuff whenever we want. You know, we hear from the customers directly. We have this little feedback form that we uh, implemented. I don't remember if it was this year or last year. So now we actually have direct feedback from customers telling us, oh, this does not make sense. This is missing, whatever. So it's been a great, uh, you know, great process for us. And, and just curious on that, how often are you guys, uh, you know, updating this? What do you guys suggest? Like, you know, once a, once a week, once a month, or what's your, what's your schedule on that? It depends. Uh, yeah. We just got done doing a huge thing of docs because we've got a bunch of features shipping in this next release. So, but mm -hmm. I think before then, the last time I had written a feature doc, um, in a year probably because it just depends on who wants to do it um but updating docs it, uh, that's all that's all dependent on uh just kind of what's changed and if, and if <laughs> a user points something out i literally just made an update to our 
developer console doc because a user pointed something out to me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's super helpful. Cool. All right. Awesome. Uh, so th- thank you guys. Was, that was the hard part. Uh, we can move into the fun rapid fire questions here. But before we get into some of those, we'll get into some pet questions because I know we all love pets. So um, just as little, little, you know, mid, mid break uh, questions here. So we'll start with Liz. What's uh, you have a, is it a dog or a cat? Kachoa. What's his favorite game to play? <laughs> it's a doggy. Yeah, okay. no worries. Uh, he likes to play keep away, which is that great. So instead he refuses to play fetch. I've tried teaching him fetch. He just won't give me the ball back. He wants me to chase him. So that's his favorite thing. He grabs the ball and he runs around the house and I have to chase him. Okay. And how do you uh, like this? You know, what's the special way of spoiling or pamper Kachoa? Oh, it's all sorts of things, but probably just rubbing <laughs> rubbing his belly on the couch. That's it. Keeps him happy for the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> awesome. Brendan, uh, I heard some cats in the background before, but Titan or Odin, who's the king of the house? It's a really good question. Uh, <laughs> so I think that Odin doesn't really care about the cat unless the cat's in his way. Odin is an English bulldog okay. and weighs you know, twice as much, three times as much as the cat. Mm. So he doesn't care uh, as long as the cat's not in his way. I think the cat thinks he's the king of the cows. <laughs> and I just don't think he's tested that yet. Okay, uh, okay. But probably Odin. And I think in a fight, <laughs> Odin wins. If I would, Odin would win. Yeah, I would, I would, I would place my bet on Odin as well. What's, uh, <laughs> what's Odin's... Uh, so they, they both have some you know favorite sleep positions. What does that look like? Well, so Titan is, as long as he's up near your face while he's sleeping, he's fine. He likes to put his claws... Mm like right here under my eyes, which makes me very nervous. And <laughs> I don't like very much, but he does it anyway. So because he's a cat and doesn't care. Uh, Odin, Odin's funny um, because when we got him, when my wife and I got him 10 years ago, uh, we made all the wrong decisions. Uh, so uh, when we were potty training him, uh, we, we did not crate him. He slept in between us and we would each put a hand on him while we were sleeping so that we would know when he was going to get up in the window, we would have to get up and take him out because he was getting up because he was going to go pee somewhere in the room. Uh, so we'd get up and take him out. And now he can't sleep unless he is touching a human being. So it's usually, he's usually asleep in between my legs while I'm sitting on the couch working is because he's broken. He's a broken animal. That's all right. What do you do when you have to travel? What do you do when you have to travel? We create him at some bougie place that like right. they like hang out with him. He sleeps on the couch with that. Like it's... All right, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's, his, that's his pampering. <laughs> okay. Oh, English Bulldogs. English not Bulldogs, cheap. yeah. They're not, not cheap. cheap. No. <laughs> Cool. All right. Um, moving on to the the other kind of rapid fire type questions. I guess these are you know could, could be for both or either or if you want to answer them. I know you mentioned if you were to have a superpower, um, what would it be and why? I thought about this for a while. I don't know because like yeah. I mean they're all I don't know flying be cool right like that'd be cool doesn't mm. hurt anyone probably. Uh, mm. So I'd be all right with flying, but like mm. everything else seems like there's like, it's, it's so like easily abused that all right, I'll go with flying. I'm going to go with flying. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah. I'll just say teletransportation. Probably if I could just snap my fingers and be somewhere else, uh, mm. that'd be cool. Love it. Save you time. You'll be all over the place. Yep. Yeah. What, what would you say is your superpower at work? Ooh. <laughs> Do you have one? Empathy. Um, I, I, empathy. I I have way mm. too much empathy. I, I way too much. So it's, it's a really good skill. Yeah. In a bad way, like not in like I'm bragging about how much I'm <laughs> so much. It's, it's, a, it's like a bad thing. Please share me a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how about you, Liz? 
Uh, I don't know. I, I don't want, this was hard because you don't ever want to talk, you know, uh, anyway, I'll, maybe I'll go with communication. I think I, mm. I kind of make sure that communication happens or that's always top of mind, you know, make sure that things mm. are clear. So I, I, I do a lot of that. Nice. As far okay. as I can tell, Liz is not bad at anything. So I don't know if that's a superpower. Like she's good at everything she does. So I don't know. Man, that's, uh, that's that feel, makes me feel like maybe I need to up my game a lot. <laughs> she's, oh, a super, she, she's super woman on everything. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, what's, what's some kind of favorite hobbies or activities that, you know, outside of work that you find gets you into to flow state? Uh, I play a lot of video games, but that feels like a real like. I mean, I do. I play a lot of video games, mm -hmm. and yes, that mm -hmm. that I definitely get to a flow state with that. Mm -hmm. I also write occasionally, and that's not as much as I'd like to, but that also can uh, get me into a flow state. Awesome. Yeah, I'm a DIYer, so I got into woodworking. I'm not good just yet, but I do enjoy the process. So I'll go with woodworking. Did you build that desk behind you yourself? Or? I The top was actually, I reused, it was the top of a coffee table. I didn't want to throw it away. So I took it off and then I sanded it and stained it. So yes, I sort of made it, but not 100%. <laughs> nice. Well, good job. Cool. Um, if somebody's looking to get into one of your uh, role, right? They're looking to, to hire, you know, get, you know get, get hired onto Balsamic into a similar role that one of you guys are doing. What's some maybe uh, career path tips for people looking to get into there and or any skills that they should be looking to develop? You want to go first, Liz? It is a tough one because um, it's tough because I've, uh, we've talked about this in our team too. Like in, in our industry, cu customer support is seen as like a stepping stone. Like a lot of people will start off with that because they want to move on to something else. For us, this is really, you know, what we do. You know, we're not really looking to move on to something else. So I think that would be the first thing. Like if this is really what brings you joy, just helping customers, then you're already, it's a good start, you know. But then uh, other, you know, besides that, of course, we, we look em for empathy, which is hard to really gauge, you know, in an interview and stuff. But you kind of maybe get an idea of how they go about answering certain questions. So, uh, yeah, you want to add anything to that, Brendan? No, I think empathy is 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 the thing. You can te you can be you can be taught anything else. Like if you want to work, uh, you know, uh, at AWS, like you can learn how AWS functions if you want to do support at AWS. Uh, but learning empathy is hard, much harder than learning anything else. So, yeah, if you have empathy, you can literally do anything in this space because mm -hmm. that's that is what is important to support is empathy. So, so it's not really uh, exp else. experience is not usually a big thing, right? Like getting experience at, you know, other calls, support centers or calls. Yeah. Yes or no. I mean, superior experience certainly, it certainly helps because mm -hmm. then the, the, there's less of an onboarding process uh, and less of a, a jarring transition. But like, I've, I mean, when we have hired people, I've always said, you know, if you have empathy, that's all I need because I, we can teach you everything. We mm -hmm. can teach you how the app works. We can teach you how our systems work, everything like that. Empathy, I can't teach you. You have to bring that. So That's right. yeah, if you're looking to get into support, and I and and man, I hope you are, because like support, like Liz said, is something that is kind of relegated to this entry level, get your foot in the door thing. And like support is really hard. Good support is really hard and it's not like appreciated enough. So like mm -hmm. if you're if you are good at support and you're worried like that can't carry you. No, there are companies that will pay for good support. And like, mm -hmm. and we are lucky enough to be at one. And there are plenty more. If you're good at support, there is a path forward there. 
Nice. Love it. Um, so obviously Peldi, you know, seems like he gives you guys a lot of, you know, freedom to, to kind of manage um, your, your role and you decide you know, how much, how hard you really want to work at the end of the day, you take care of your customers, but at the end of the day, what, what motivates you to keep working hard and, you know, delivering on, on the promise and you know, doing a good job at your job? I have a, I have a very cliche answer. So I'll let Liz go first. <laughs> no, we're going to hear it now. <laughs> I a hundred percent believe in the butterfly effect. I a hundred percent believe that Yes, I do support for a uh, a wireframing company, right? Like I do support for Balsamic, and and and, but I do believe that like if I if if I help someone smile, even if it's just for over an email, like that is better for them, and makes their day better, and maybe they'll go and make someone else's day better, and on and on. Like we've all had those moments where <laughs> something bad happens and it cascades the whole day, right? Like everything, it's just like a it's like a house of cards, just everything falls. Mm -hmm. So the reverse has got to be true. You know, one good deed has to give another, give another, give another. And so that's what motivates me. It makes, right. oh, it makes the makes world a little bit better of a place. It does. Yeah. yeah. Sending that good energy, that good, you know, vibrations over and you know, that, that, that uh, leads to the rest of the day of the other person. Right. So it's a, I like it. How about yeah, you, Liz? Exactly. I, I don't think I have like a one answer, but I guess I'll just say, I mean, it really ultimately my goal in, in my interactions with my coworkers, our users, our customers is just to make their day a little bit better, you know, and, and I'm happiest when I know like that interaction with me left them, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm going to make them happy, you know, but at least make them feel better about themselves. And even like little things at work with our coworkers, if I can make your work, your life easier by just doing the one, this one extra thing, I'll do it, you know? So that's kind of like, uh, what, you know, motivates me, I guess, in a way. No, that's huge. I mean, I, like you said, right, the people who are coming to you are generally not happy. They're already upset about something. So if you can leave them coming out of there feeling, you know, relieved and relaxed, I mean, that's a huge thing. I know myself, like something worse than getting on a call, like, you know, it's my credit card company or whatever. And then they're like, they just don't solve them. Like, please just like take care of this. I don't want to, you know, you, know, you, know, you have to call back and you know, we'll call you back in 10 days or let's do this. I'm like, no, just solve this. And the ones who just take care of it and like, I'm so grateful and happy you just made my day. So <laughs> thank you guys for your hard work. I appreciate it. And uh, <laughs> so uh, last question for both of you. What is it that you love the most about working at, at Balsamic or, or just the company in general? I'm surrounded by good people. I'm surrounded by genuinely good, nice people. And I think that that's rare uh, mm. in a lot of uh, tech companies. Um, and so I think that that, for me is, is why I love it here. I, I genuinely like, I, I know that everyone's like, Oh, well don't call it family. Cause like, then there's like these other, that's problematic in some ways. And, and I wouldn't call it family, but I am genuinely friends with everyone that I work with. Uh, and, and I don't, I think that's super rare, especially for someone uh, like me, who's an introvert and uh, not great at making friends. So like, I don't know. I think that's really cool. For sure. I mean, it's a big plus one there, but really I've, this is the best job that I've had. And, and it's because of the people really, you know, it comes from the, you know, starting with Baldi, you know, we mentioned him a couple of times already, but just the fact that he created this space where we can be ourselves and in the and in being by being ourselves, we're just helping this company, you know, move on and helping our customers. Yes. It's, I mean, it is a blast every day. Everyone is just fantastic. I mean, I know we kind of like build it up so much, but I've been here five years and I still feel the same. So it's gotta be true. Love it. That's awesome. I mean, that's, that's the power of, you know, Peldi, great, 
great leadership, great, you know, uh, you know, personality and just such a caring person. And, and it shows, it reflects in, on, on the people he hires, on the product he builds and, um, you know, how he interacts with customers. So, so kudos to him and uh, do appreciate him to being in, in the space. So thank you guys. Uh, kind of anything else you guys want to add before we wrap this up? No, man, just thanks for, thanks for having us on. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you so much. No, thank you guys. Appreciate it. Jumping on the SaaS District Show today. Cheers. 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 Thank you all for watching this episode and joining SaaS District today. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell for future episodes where we interview top leaders in the SaaS industry. If you're a SaaS company looking to grow and unlock the true value of your business, get in touch with us at Horizon Capital and myself or one of our consultants will provide a free assessment to help you get there and hit your goals. If you have any feedback or suggestions for this podcast, please comment down below and help us improve our content for you all. Thanks again and see you on the next one.